0: Last week we talked about how God will use you right where you are and in doing exactly what you typically do. And we highlighted several people in the Bible that God used in that way. And I emphasized that it doesn't matter if you have to stay in your house or not because God can use you wherever you are. And today I want us to talk about how God uses us from a different angle. I want to take a different perspective on it. And I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Eleanor Young was born in 1946 in Chattaroy, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, Washington. It's in the Spokane area. When she had just turned five years old in December of 1951, she became ill. And initially they thought it was the flu, but it wasn't the flu at all. Because December of 1951 was the beginning of what would be the largest outbreak of polio in American history. And Eleanor was one of those who contracted polio. She was in the hospital for seven months, paralyzed from the neck down, and told that if she lived, she'd be in, she would be an invalid. She was among the 10 to 20 percent, though, that would actually survive. And she became, um, and she overcame those dire prognosis of the doctors and beat the percentages of the sickness and eventually was able to walk again by first grade. But she often needed help, especially with stairs. Eleanor was raised in a, a family of faith. She was, um, in, she was very heavily involved in a rural church, with a lot of exposure to missionaries. And by the time she was 12 years old, she was convinced that God wanted her to serve as a missionary. So imagine a 12-year-old girl. She had overcome polio um, to the degree that she could able to walk with her leg braces and her crutches. And she responded one time to a missionary who was speaking at her church. He gave an altar car at the end of the one night, and she walked down that aisle that night to his challenge for people to serve God and foreign missionary work. She talks. She tells the story about how she walked down that aisle with doubt and somewhat of an embarrassment as people stared at her as she used her crutches and her um, and her and with her braces on her leg and used her crutches to go down that aisle to respond to this man's missionary call to serve God overseas. And she knew that she was seeing people who were, had doubt in their eyes and they were probably somewhat embarrassed that here's this young girl doing this and she doesn't know she can't do this. <clears throat> and matter of fact, their story later on goes that someone in attendance that night went to the missionary afterwards and apologized to him that only this young crippled girl responded. And his response was that God will use those that he has called, whom the Lord calls he will use. Eleanor was turned down by several mission agencies, and the standard response was, we can't, if you can't make it on the foreign field, find somewhere here at home where you can serve. She was told that it was too much of a risk for her. On one occasion, she was asked by a mission agency, and um, by the mission agency, said, what would she do if they turned her down, if they denied her a request to serve? And her response was, if you don't accept me, someone will because God has a call on my life. A week later, RBMU, the mission agency she was applying to, interviewed her and invited her to join them. Elinor didn't go to an urban center that might have had accommodations for her limited mobility. No, she went to Irian Jaya, a dense jungle nation, mountainous island belonging to Indonesia. Her assignment was to translate the local language among a tribe um, called the Kimyal in the interior mountains of the island. She said she felt the Lord directed her there to serve among the tribe. And, she was, and because this tribe had the smallest features of any tribe on the island, they were, they were small people. And she says they were one quarter of an inch, on average, too tall to be considered pygmies but she said that she was perfect for them because they were the same height that she was and she was able to look them in the eyes when she talked to them. Given her inability to traverse the mountain passes and the trails that went around the region, the people created a litter, like a carrying device, that she would ride in and they would carry her about in. As the people learned more about God and how he worked, one time they explained to Eleanor that she was with them because God wanted you to come to us. They had a sense that God had sent her to them for, for purposes of revealing himself to them. And what began as a people that worshiped spirits, as the gospel began to become more ingrained in their village, they began to grasp its truth, and the people began to learn to read and understand the Bible. And leaders from among the tribe began to grow in teaching them their, their own people from the word of God. And one time she heard them calling her by something other than Eleanor They called her, I think, they called her Jan Mali. Jan Mali, bad legs woman, or bad legs for short. Eleanor asked the pastor, why do you call me bad legs? I know my legs are bad, but what is the real reason? And he replied this. He said, your bad legs are important to us. Our people with bad legs can't get out of this valley. But even with your bad legs, God brought you all the way here to give us his word. And God has helped you stay with us. He did all this to give us his word. This is how much he loves us. To the Kimya, to that tribe, her weakness was a sign of how much God loved them. That's an amazing statement. In 1991, after seven years of serving with the Kimya people, Eleanor suffered about a post-polio syndrome that forced her to return to the States. But later in 2010, she was able to return to Papua, to Erin Jaya, for the dedication of the Kim Yon New Testament Bible, a Bible in the language of the people, a work that she had started going back over 30 years before. In the closing comments of a movie about Eleanor's life called Bad Legs, and I'll send this to you, church, if anyone wants to watch it, it's about 22 minutes long. She says that those things that you think are a deterrent to serving God are that they would stop you from serving God, are the exact things God wants to use to serve him. Did you get it? Did you hear it? She said, those things that you think are a deterrent, those things you think would get in the way of serving God, are the very things God wants to use to give himself glory. You see, man sees obstacles, man sees roadblocks, Man sees things that we can't get over. Man sees things that says, well, we can't do that, or you can't do that. And God sees opportunities. Now, I just want to pause and just tell you, that's the reason why I think that our missionary reading program for our children is so important. Because so many of these stories in here are stories of men and women who were told they can't do this, or were told it was too dangerous, and yet they did it. They went ahead and served God. And now there are nations of, of, of places where there are churches that are thriving because men and women went and did what they were told they couldn't do. And so that's why I think that our children and then our parents also reading these stories are so important. So, And we know our Bible stories as well. We know that David was not even considered by the people around him to serve in any capacity because he was the youngest. That's in 1 Samuel 16. We know that Gideon, he's from the weakest clan of his tribe and he was considered the least in his father's house and yet he was the one that was supposed to, to save Israel from, from the persecution. That's in Judges 6. We, and then we know what the, how the Lord answered the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians twelve nine and 10. And there the Lord said to Paul, my grace is all that you need. This is from the New Living Bible. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In our weakness, God works best. When Paul writes about being weak, He's speaking about being feeble and frail. In other words, easily broken, not dependable, inadequate, inferior. And when we find ourselves to be weak, feeble, frail and inadequate, God says, that's when pauses, that's when God's work is at work in us, and that's when we are made strong. And being made strong means to be made powerful, able, capable. So when we are weak he is powerful. And when we are not able, he is able. And when we are inadequate, he is adequate. Many Bible translations read 2 Corinthians 12 9 as saying that God's power is made perfect in weakness. The living Bible that I use today says that it works best in weakness. So consider it like this, that our weakness is the stage for God's strength. Man considers good looks, physical strength, mighty armies, fame, fortune, and intellect as the means to influence others and to accomplish great things in this life. And the church always is trying to adapt that model because then we'll have famous people come and talk about Christ. We want athletes to come and talk about Christ. We want the rich and the beautiful to come and talk about Christ. And Christ so often says, I want bad legs. I want the weakness because it's in the weakness that I get glory. He uses bad legs every time over strength and power. And so, you see, whoever is on the stage is the one getting the glory. And there is only one who's worthy of getting glory, and that is Jesus. And he wants to be on that stage So that he draws men and women and children to himself. People from places like the Kimyaw tribe of Indonesia. God wants to be on that stage where he draws them to himself. Where he is the one who is redeeming them. So let me just ask you, are you trying to be something for God? Are you trying to be someone for God? Are you trying to manage what others will think of you? so that you can influence them for God? God is not interested in you being something you're not. He's interested in using you as you are. He doesn't want or need your personal accomplishments in order for you to to be useful to him. He doesn't need your title, your wealth, your championships, your fame. He wants your weakness to do that. He wants to take a story like young James there, and he will take that story and he'll use that story to give himself glory more than he might will ever use any accomplishments that a young man has in his life that's to come. His brilliance will shine the brightest when you and I are at our weakest. In this world, we're taught to hide our weakness, to be ashamed of our weakness, to go, back, um, to, go to the back of the line because of our weakness. But not so with God. He seeks the man, the woman, the child that will allow God to use them just as they are for his purposes. We, 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 we usually try to shelter our weaknesses so others can't see them. But John Piper has this one thing he wrote that is really great. And he says, we don't need to shelter or hide or get relief from our weakness. Instead, he, said, he says this, the deepest need that you and I have in weakness and adversity is not quick relief. In other words, the thing that made Eleanor useful to God was not that she was 100% healed and that she was, had legs that would support her and she would walk through those mountain jungles by herself. It wasn't quick relief. It wasn't a quick fix. But it's the well-grounded confidence that what is happening to us is part of the greatest purpose of God in this universe. And that's the glorification of the grace and power of His Son, Jesus. He will use you not because you are incredibly successful. He will use you just as you are. And then, and then grabbing what we talked about last week, He will use you just as you are today, just where you are today, for his purpose and for his plan. And he'll make you, he'll make you just as you are in your weakness and where you are today, he will make you count for eternity in ways that we could never dream, in ways that we could never imagine. Can you think that when Eleanor was in an iron lung as a little child, that anyone would ever said, this woman, this young girl, she will grow up to translate the Bible into a tribe that's never ever heard it before. And she will go there and she will make that count for eternity. No one saw that but God. And that was his eternal plan for her life. Now then, what about you? What about you? We think that we have to overcome these things in our life to be useful. And yet God says that that thing that you're trying to overcome is that thing that he wants to use. And you might never go translate the Bible in, a, you know, in a, some other foreign language. But you might be a light to the neighborhood that you live in. You might be a light to the, the office that you work in. You might simply be a light to the young man that checks you out at the grocery store. See, every single moment of eternal purpose is an important moment of internal purpose. And so, Zechariah has this verse, and in chapter 4 it says that, Do not despise the small things. So every little thing we do that God uses counts for eternity, and He wants to use it for us. So last week we talked about letting God use us right where we are, and this week our challenge is letting God use us just as we are. So there's one other way that God's strength is made evident in our weakness. When we were not able to solve our sin problem, God stepped in and proved Himself strong proved himself able and capable and even willing to solve a problem that was not his to solve but out of love for you and out of love for me he stepped in and he took a problem which was our sin problem and he said i can fix this i'm able and i'm willing and i will and so before you and i were even born god sent his son jesus christ to die on the cross, and that death of an innocent man, totally sinless man, paid the penalty for us who are totally sinful. And so God proved himself strong on our behalf to be able to pay for the sins of all mankind through the death of his son Jesus. If you've never ever understood that, or if you've never ever believed that for yourself, then I bet that you are laden down with quite a bit of guilt or maybe a lot of shame over the things that have happened in your life and you might be totally worn out from trying to fix your sin problem yourself you don't have to do that and you don't have to live underneath the, sh- the shame and the guilt of your sin because jesus christ died so that you can be forgiven for your sin and have all that shame and all that guilt washed away And you can do that simply in the privacy of your own home, locked down and in quarantine, and just very simply say, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I want to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and for my salvation. And in that moment, that's what will happen for you. That's what James talked about a moment ago. And there's so many other people that would love to talk to you about that. If you have questions about that, don't hesitate to email me or or text me, get in touch with me, call the church, and I'd be glad to talk to you about that and help you understand what that means for your life. So with that, let's pray, all right? Father, we just want to thank you very much that you don't need us to get cleaned up for you, that you don't need us to be something we're not to be useful for you, that you use us just as we are, just where we are, to count for eternity. And we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that we don't have to pay for our sin ourselves. And then today, Father, I thank you for Eleanor Young and that right now she's still serving you out in Washington State and she's still making her life, her weakness, count for eternity. May we do likewise as well. And um, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.